I'm your host, Kaylee, and this is Rebel Wellness. Welcome to the Rebel Wellness Podcast, where we embrace a holistic approach to personal health and empower women to break free from the noise of today's diet culture. I'm your host, Kaylee, also known as Coach Kales, and I'm thrilled to have you join us on this journey to becoming healthier, stronger, and more resilient in this life. If you found this podcast, you might be somebody who is tired of feeling bombarded with unrealistic body standards and conflicting health advice and just ready to rebel against the one-size-fits-all approach to wellness. This is a great opportunity and place to create a lifestyle that truly works for you. And I want to welcome you to your new home for everything health and wellness without any of those influences. Rebel Wellness is rooted in the belief that true wellness goes beyond just diet and exercise. It's about nurturing our minds bodies, and souls in a way that aligns with our unique needs and values. So if you are new here, I want to extend a very warm welcome. And if you are a ride or die, hello again. So happy that you have returned. Hello, welcome back to this week's Hot Take Summer episode. This is the series where I am taking you through my raw professional opinions kind of on the spot about all the current spicy topics floating around in the health and wellness space currently in the last several years or honestly, a lot of this stuff recycles. So, so glad that you're here and listening to these hot takes as they are definitely something that I have found an unexpected passion for. And I didn't even realize this because when I'm working one-on-one with clients over the last decade as a professional, I have been actually asked a lot of these things. And I realized that I love to talk about current topics especially if I have done already my own research, which typically if people have asked me things or I've seen it going around, I get curious and I want to develop a well-rounded opinion. So you know that I'm going to give you the best uh, thoughts that I can from my background in professional training and professional uh, education, as well as real life experience. And I think that that's something where a lot of people nowadays are kind of missing the mark is they're going based off of strictly what science says and these researches say because a lot of these things like like the last episode if you did not listen to the gluten episode it's got some really good information highly recommend that was episode 29 and it is kind of talking about this interesting concept how our especially talking for the u.s because i am based in the u.s so sorry if you're not based here but a lot of these concepts can still stand because certain countries are kind of following suit but There's a lot to be said about who funds the studies and for what purpose, because nobody is going to put the thousands and millions of dollars into research without potential of profit afterwards. That's just the way it is. And it's important to understand that because it'll help you better understand the relationship between products, uh, big corporations for food, big food corp, et cetera, as well as FDA. And they have very interesting published government articles talking about how there's bonus programs and different things like that between the government and these different corporations because they work together. And it's not to harm us, but it is something where when there's greed and profit involved, a lot of things can go that direction. So unfortunately, there are a lot of areas where things have gotten not for our best health in mind, unfortunately. So I'm kind of prepping that for you so you can kind of understand where I'm coming at for all these different chats about certain big ingredients in a lot of products here in the US especially. 
But before I get deeper into it, I'd love to invite you to come join our email list. Uh, we've got some exciting stuff coming down the pipeline, and I would love for you to be one of the first people to know what I am launching and what is going to be available for you, especially if you don't necessarily want one-on-one -on -one coaching, or maybe you do eventually want one-on-one -on -one coaching to work with me. Um, you're going to have all those resources if you join my email list on coachkales.com or coachedbykales.com. And also, I'd love, love, love for you to join our Instagram communities um, at Rebel Wellness Podcast or my flagship coaching page at Coach by Kales. So I just wanted to tell you how to connect together because I love to grow this community and this community is doing some awesome things. So that would be amazing if you wanted to do that. And as always, if you learn something new or something interesting and you'd love to share it with somebody who maybe is consuming dairy regularly or uh, is having some of these symptoms and you know they eat dairy, this would be a great opportunity to kind of expose them to a professional's opinion from real life experience and science-based about how to approach adjusting their nutrition because your nutrition is medicine or poison. It's dependent on how you manage your lifestyle with what you eat because your food is feedback for your body for so many things. It's nourishment and um, you should definitely take it seriously and it absolutely impacts your life every single day. Uh, I know this all the time, like currently right now, I've actually cut caffeine out of my morning, um, not intentionally because my coffee, the only coffee I have left for my Fabula brand was the caffeine free one, the decaf. And so I was like, well, I like, I like the flavor of coffee. I don't need the caffeine. So I'm like, well, I'm just going to drink this until my new order comes in. Now I've been kind of like riding this high off of like having morning energy and clarity without caffeine. So that's like something where I'm like, even the smallest things like that are clearly impacting me. It's, it's crazy how much what you consume daily, how it affects your energy, your focus, your mood, your hormones, and more. So definitely consider everything from these episodes where I'm chatting about some of these major dietary changes that a lot of people tend to tout um, or encourage or follow on their own um, because it can be a game changer for you. Trust me. Like I know it's going to be kind of shitty and you're going to be like, damn it, I really don't want to like go gluten-free or whatever. Listen to that episode. I talk about how you can do it like 85-15 or 90-10 or, you know, anything like that so that you can still enjoy some of those products, specifically if you're not somebody who's like celiac or has like a very life-threatening allergy to it. Um, and still enjoy your life and reap the benefits of reducing it overall in your body. Because that's what I do. And it's been such a game changer in my life. So, all right, let's get into today's topic. So this is yet another kind of uh, area in nutrition that is so hard for me to just give you a hot take, like just smack off the top of my head, because the science in it is also very helpful for better understanding and digesting pun intended, what dairy does to your body and how you can determine whether or not it's something that you should consider cutting out of your life because it's not for everybody to cut it out. And I do want to make sure that you know that I am not going to be team this or team that. I'm just going to present the information, tell you my own experiences, what I've seen help my clients, and uh, you can figure it out on your own, you know. But I will 
at the end of this, give you the tools to understand how you can best eliminate it and try it if you want to determine if you are the right candidate for reducing or eliminating dairy altogether at the end of this entire hot take. So stay tuned all the way to the end because um, that's going to be a good kind of roadmap for you to figure out how to test it on yourself and see if you get benefits or nothing changes. I'm going to start this hot take with a little bit of uh, my background with dairy. Uh, so I'm a little half Asian kid. Sometimes we call us Hapas, a, a well-known group that cannot digest lactose. And um, how I discovered this as a wee little child, I was actually hanging out at my best friend at the time, Brittany's house, and her grandma made us some oatmeal and like the best tasting version of oatmeal possible, aka good whole milk and brown sugar. And maybe some butter too. Like just, you know, that really yummy, like it's totally not good for you, but it's, you know, got a lot of stuff going on. Um, and I never had oatmeal prepared for me that way before. I don't know if it was because my grandparents who mostly took care of us when we were that young, never really prepared us a lot of like high dairy foods. Um, and my dad never really drank a lot of whole milk either at the time. And so um, my sister did, that's for sure. But I was just like, this is amazing. It's just so good. It's so creamy. Yeah. yeah. Cut to like maybe an hour and a half later, I am like on their bed in pain with horrible abdominal cramping, like stabbing pain. Um, I wasn't really a person who was getting like gas or diarrhea. It was literally the cramping because my body was just like, there's something in here that we cannot digest and therefore it's going into your intestine not in the proper form to get assimilated or pass through and um which i only know now but at the time i was just like what is happening to me this is horrible i am in so much pain and her grandma had to call my dad tell him like hey kaylee's got this really bad stomach ache issue so then we discovered okay well i guess she's lactose intolerant and then needs to shift to lactate, you know, that milk that's got lactase in it, aka lactase is the enzyme that a lot of people's bodies produce, but actually there's a good portion of people who don't produce that. Um, that's what's in like the lactate chewables for those of us who like consume dairy and eat those with it to help digestion. We literally just don't make lactase. It's not that we have an allergy or that something is crazily wrong with the product itself, it's our body doesn't produce lactase because part of our genetics never came across dairy or hardly ever did in a way that we never, we adapted and um, shifted towards a gut that didn't care to make lactase. So this is a lot of Asian countries, this is African countries, um, and a lot of these dominant areas were cows or sheep or goat were not widely consumed or available. Okay. So that's really important to understand. Um, and so, which I will take a little quick tangent to that. The first thing that I want you to think about when you're considering if you have a dairy problem is are your genetics or the dominating portion of your genetics from any of those countries? So are you somebody who's got a lot of Asian in you? Are you somebody who's got a lot of African in you? Um, there's several other areas that can be influenced by that. If there's any countries that brought like African 
um, people to work in their islands, like the Caribbean. You're also a group, even though you're Caribbean, you're also a group uh, that has African roots. So you probably don't digest dairy either. Same goes for a lot of wherever um, any Asian uh, ethnicity background has traveled to and um, kind of assimilated with the culture. So that's really important to understand because there's a lot of Nordic countries and other countries that always had goats, sheep, or dairy cows and can absolutely process lactose just fine. So, um, and it's more than just lactose. So I'm kind of just talking about that because that's where I originally discovered I don't do well with milk. So majority of my um, youth and into honestly early college until I got more specific nutrition teaching, I avoided most dairy products. I pretty much like I never wanted to feel that pain again. So it was very easy for me to like say no to butter, um, say no to cream, uh, milk. You know, I was not really consuming a ton of cheese and different things like that. So that was kind of my intro into dairy. So I didn't even realize a large majority of my life, naturally, I avoided dairy products, which probably helped my health out in the long run um, compared to some of my peers who didn't know that they shouldn't be eating dairy just by the fact that I had that one horrible experience. But as I got older, my um, understanding and my body's reactions to dairy shifted, not because I suddenly had lactase but because I understood that there are foods out there, especially higher quality dairy foods that either don't have the lactose in them anymore, not just because of being processed out, but there are natural things that take lactose out of food products like aged cheeses, the bacteria or the little bugs that help cheese age eat the lactose because lactose is one of the sugars in milk. There's galactose and then there's lactose and they eat the sugars out of the cheese. And so that naturally is removing the lactose from the cheese as it ages from the dairy as it ages rather. So I can eat the heck out of pecorino, Parmesan, um, even some really aged cheddars. They don't bother me at all. And so that's something to look into when you are somebody who also is like me who can't have lactose or knows they uh, get reactions to things with lactose. Same goes for products like high quality Greek yogurt or Skr, Icelandic yogurt, different things in that category. Because again, the probiotics that are introduced to the yogurt during the process, they consume most of the lactose and or sometimes there's certain products that involve lactase in it as well. So there's a lot of different products that actually are easy for your body to consume and won't harm you um, because they have the lactose removed or they have lactase added. So if you're looking at any products for dairy um, and you're somebody who is like me who just has a lactose problem, you definitely should get familiar with looking at the back of any dairy products and seeing like, what is this process? But that's important to understand because it's very interesting how much stuff actually isn't like as hardcore as like, you need to remove it and avoid it altogether because it hurt your stomach once, you know, that's a little too aggressive in my opinion and a little unrealistic because sometimes that makes people like completely abstain from trying to remove things. And it's like, you should probably just try it a little bit and like moderate your mindset around like, okay, I don't need to have ice cream, like full fat ice cream every single night, you know, <laughs> or every week, you know, those things are, are, 
more so comfort foods that we just have to realize like, okay, well, if it's pissing my body off and I'm not feeling better and I'm inflamed, maybe I should consider reducing it or removing it altogether. Okay, so that's a little bit of my background with my childhood and dairy. As I got older and started weightlifting in my high school years into early college years, I started consuming different protein powders. And quickly I noticed just from being more connected to my body that I was not doing well with this one protein powder that was recommended to me. And it turns out it was a whey and casein blend. I actually had at one point even just bought a casein protein because it was recommended by some bodybuilding.com thing for like, um, because casein is slow digesting, which also kind of relays to it being harder to digest, but it's slow digesting in a way that is beneficial for people like who are trying to gain muscle for muscle synthesis to consume it to be fueled with protein throughout their day or overnight when their muscle synthesis is actually happening. Um, If you didn't already know that, that is one of the best times to consume whey protein or a blend if you're somebody who can do casein. But that is important to understand that dairy has two specific protein sources. One is whey, the other is casein. We'll get a little bit more into that in a second. But I discovered that the casein was not sitting well in my stomach. I was bloaty. I got a little bit of those pains again, and it kind of messed with my bowel movements. So I was like, probably can't do casein. And as I always do, I started researching and discovered, yeah, a lot of females actually don't do well with casein in general. So um, that's something important for you to think about when you are purchasing your whey proteins. Um, I have a really great section on my Instagram about protein types and sources. So head over to coach by Kales at coach by Kales. If you want to check that out and learn a little bit more kind of hack, which protein types are the best for you. But that was really interesting for me to learn in my early years. And so I mostly avoided casein as often as possible because I knew that it was not helping my body. However, I do absolutely fine and well on whey isolate protein, high quality whey isolate protein. I will always spend big bucks on it because it is a superfood because it has all the nutrients and a complete protein source that you need. So it has all the amino acids necessary for growing muscle, maintaining muscle, and it's also satiating. So it helps manage my blood sugar, helps manage everybody who consumes it blood sugar if you can tolerate whey. And a lot of people think, oh, I can't have whey protein because I have stomach reaction because I would get it at like my smoothie bar I'd go to. Most smoothie bars and shops and stuff, unless they specifically say whey protein isolate is what they use. And you can always ask people like, hey, can you show me like the bottle of like what you're using? Because I mean, they have to be uh, transparent. But at the same time, you'll usually find that your issue is because they're using just a milk protein isolate or a whey and casein blend. That's a really common thing because that's cheaper. It's a cheaper protein powder. So anything that's going to be mass produced for a restaurant or a smoothie bar or cheaper on Amazon probably is a lower quality version where it's not as highly processed to be only whey. And so odds are you might actually be okay consuming whey and not get any of the negative reactions that you might be if you had a whey casing blend or a lower quality just milk protein um, isolate. So reading the labels, very important. Again, (laughs) I can't say it enough. Um, But 
The other thing that was really interesting is when I started training, I met my, one of my amazing friends. You're going to hear from her soon on uh, one of the first interview podcasts coming up soon. Um, she brought up to me that um, she noticed like phlegm, stuffy nose or post nasal drip whenever she consumes dairy. So if, uh, for example, we were going to go to get some um, wine and at the wineries in Oregon, because Oregon wine country is awesome. And they have always have cheese boards. And she's just like, well, I'm already drinking wine, which also has a lot of sulfites, which cause inflammation in a lot of people as well. So there's a tendency to get stuffy from wine. Um, I'll talk about that another time in the alcohol chat that's coming soon. So stay tuned for that. But she's like, I'm already going to be stuffy from the wine. I might as well just eat the cheese. <laughs> and she's like, sorry to my husband. He's going to have to listen to me snore all night. That is a real thing. The more I started to observe that and comment on it to my clients, they started noticing it too. They're like, I snore more when I have dairy I or I'm stuffy, you know, all these different things. And so it's like interesting how many common symptoms we all experience, but we don't realize that it's not normal. So if you are somebody who deals with something like that, I would consider cutting that out and see how you do. Because yes, 100% inflammatory responses from irritants such as like gluten or dairy or alcohol, you know, other things like that will cause you to have more specific symptoms that are obvious uh, when you start to realize them. So think about that for sure for yourself after listening to this episode. Something that is also worth noting that I will also get deeper into here in a moment is that the bigger issue isn't just dairy itself. It seems to be more pointing towards the fact that we have like cheaper modified dairy because of like mass production for how big our population is here in the US especially, but also just the fact that certain methods of dairy farming nowadays have posed problems for managing like disease, infection, all that kind of stuff. So kind of on that same vein as our modern way of processing and farming dairy. But unfortunately, um, I do think that dairy has gotten an overall bad rap when in reality, especially for like European countries and other places, it may not actually be as bad for us or problematic as our lower quality or highly processed dairy that we have here. So that's really important to understand because um, when people just ask me like, oh, should I cut out dairy? Like, what do you think? And I'm like, well, start with cutting out really low quality dairy. So if you have control over like any generic ice creams you're consuming or um, just like 2% milk at the store and in giant jugs, you know, from generic brands like Lucerne and things like that, um, more often than not, they are mass-produced dairy, which I am never a big fan of fac uh, factory farming. And um, not only for the treatment of the animals, but because of the products it produces are very low quality and end up being problematic for a large majority of humans. So that's something to look at when you are consuming or changing how you eat is get picky with your quality of dairy. So I will always spring for higher quality butter, higher quality like yogurts, like I use Siggy's, um, that's the Icelandic skirts, it's like a, basically another version of, of Greek yogurt, same form, so it's like tart because it's higher in protein and things. <laughs> um, and But they have types that are not that tart, so give them a try, it's not all just like that interesting thing. And you also will change your, like your taste buds adapt as you get familiar with something. But 
I go for like Kerrygold or any of the organic grass-fed butters um, because grass-fed cows actually have a one-to-one ratio of omega-6 and omega-3s in their fat content, whereas conventional butter tends to have a higher percentage of omega-6s, which can become more inflammatory in the body long-term. So you want a good balance of omega-3s and omega-6s. And there's several other nutrients that come from grass-fed cows specifically versus grain-fed and all that kind of stuff. So that's actually a true fact. That's something that we study. So it's not just baloney when people say grass-fed for cow's meat or cow dairy. Um, because there are higher nutrients in it because those cows eat more nutrients <laughs> than the generic factory farm grain-fed cows. Same goes for sheep and everything, pigs, etc. Um, so supporting, I will just say out of a little mini tangent, support your local sustainable farming for all of your animal products, whether it's meat or dairies, and you're going to get a higher quality product that will produce way less symptoms or none at all because they're closer to the way it's supposed to be eaten and consumed uh, long-term versus uh, these versions that are very altered in a very negative way, where again, they don't have the intention to be negative for the, the human body, but has a tendency to be, especially for the female body. So coming back around to the lactose intolerance, when you are a person who has reactions to dairy in general, there's kind of two camps of um, where you might land in your reactions to dairy. And that would be the lactose intolerant camp. So you don't produce the specific enzyme lactose in cow's dairy. And that is what's going to cause like gas, diarrhea, abdominal cramping. The other reaction you might be having is a dairy protein sensitivity, meaning that the proteins in the dairy trigger an inflammatory reaction for up to like 72 hours after eating it. And that actually looks like a big list of symptoms. So that would be anything from acne, eczema, and other skin issues. Yes, the way that your skin reacts to anything is a sign that something is not going well inside. So I've had a lot of my family has had eczema their whole life. And I always knew that something was wrong with that, like um, nutritionally. And sure enough, like their eczema flares up the most when they are the most lackadaisical about both gluten and dairy. And so um, huge connection between dairy and eczema. So again, it could be different based off the quality of the dairy and the source. But other things that can come from it are behavioral issues in children, which is very interesting. I want to talk about that more in a second. Bloating and gas, brain fog, diarrhea or constipation, fatigue, headaches, joint pain, um, mood imbalances, and several other things like the post-nasal drip. Going back to the behavioral issues in children, this is a really interesting concept because um, the more I've learned about it and the more I've observed my clients and their children and like what they consume, not in a way to judge, but in a way to learn. The clients that let their kids eat whatever they want at any time of the day tend to have a lot more behavioral issues than the kids who are kind of in a more regimented diet because their parents are not exposing them to a lot of processed foods or high sugar foods, things like that. Sometimes those go hand in hand and meal timing and rounded meals, like how much of their meal actually is a protein, carb and fat or is it just carbs and fats? You know what I mean? Um, so that's been um, interesting. And one of my clients, actually, as she was shifting her her food, it passively changed her children's food. And both of her daughters had a lot of tantrum problems and different 
behavioral issues in general. And she saw a dramatic decrease in those behaviors when she stopped giving them as much like fruit roll-ups, um, little muffin cakes, and uh, ice cream, you know, a bunch of stuff that she was consuming at the time. And by cutting it out and shifting away from high sugar foods and dairy products, her daughter's behaviors changed so drastically. And that's when I first started making the connection and then started researching like, okay, so how does the food that we feed children affect the way they behave? And it's direct. It's a direct correlation because what apparently is the issue is when kids have these reactions internally to these different inflammatory things or blood sugar roller coaster food items, they can't process this emotionally as maturely as we can because of course they're children. So that shows up as sassiness, talking back, angry, hitting, you know, all the feelings that we feel when we're hangry because of having like low blood sugar or just being on the blood sugar roller coaster ourselves. It, but they do it in the most like, no, I wouldn't say like necessarily animalistic way, but in a way where because they can't have the words or the understanding for why they feel this way, um, they just let it out in emotions. So you see a lot of tantrums and just behavioral issues in general because of this. And I would say that um, a lot of people are always like, don't give parent advice unless you're a parent. Well, <laughs> I would say that um, because I've observed and I have professional background in nutrition, and I've observed a lot of clients parenting children as well as my own families. Um, you get to mold your child's gut in the beginning of their life. And if I could have done it differently, if I had what I know now in the past, I would have eaten way less fruity pebbles, <laughs> like way less um, sugary fruit roll-ups and gushers, you know, so many things that had a lot of food dyes and just tons of sugar in it. If my parents, uh, didn't have them in the house, I would have consumed them less, less. I had a best friend who she managed a really healthy body weight her entire life because she didn't have these things as, as readily available to her and her parents prioritized more natural whole foods in her upbringing. And I've had so many friends that I've met over the years that err towards healthier foods because that's what they were raised on and not in a way where it was like punishment, but in a way where it was like, this is more nourishing and this tastes really great. That is a great way to um, bring your kids up into the world where they're going to become adults like all of us exposed to massive amounts of really low quality, horrible for you foods. And it exposes them to long-term like chronic disease and tons of stuff like that. Like there is a little layer of belly fat that I can never get off my body. It's no longer baby fat. Um, I know a lot of it's like cortisol related, but at the same time, I know it's because I was a little chubby kid for a lot of my life until I got really sick one time and I lost a lot of weight and kind of managed it itself then. But even at that, I still didn't lose much of the belly fat layer that um, I honestly think is just kind of forever on me because I was chubby for so long because I was not restricted on my sugar or uh, gluten products or any of that kind of stuff. Um, not necessarily gluten products, but just processed grain products rather. Um, so if you are a parent and you're listening to this or you're thinking about becoming a parent, I highly recommend uh, or encourage you to think about being very mindful about what you expose your child and your toddler to in those early ages, because I know that it's like, oh, I just want to make them happy or I just I can't handle their their mood anymore. They probably wouldn't actually have as bad of a mood if you got them on a blood sugar managed diet um, and helped them realize that like you're still the parent. They don't own you. You know what I mean? So anyways, all those things to say, 
I've seen profound differences in clients that have actually adjusted their children's diet along with theirs. And so everybody wins in that zone. And if your child does deal with eczema and different skin issues, that's a gut thing. So something is not digesting properly. Something is not going well with their body. Same thing for you. So I had to talk about that for a second because it's really important that that concept gets out there a little bit more because I think a lot of parents haven't even realized that what they're feeding their kids, even if it's marketed towards kids, even if everybody and their grandma is feeding it to your child's friends, take control over what they consume as your kid in general, because it's going to help teach them how to nourish themselves better, how to manage their blood sugar better, um, because they can't do that on their own. Because all the little foods that are made for kids nowadays are hyper palatable, meaning it's meant to addict. And that's everything that we consume as adults too that get us on this roller coaster of fat gain and depression and anxiety and chronic disease and so many things. So it starts from the grassroots, guys. You have to really help set the right foundations if you have the ability as a parent which you should because you are the parent to take care of your children um, because that's the greatest act of love. I know that they're going to give you some sass or they're going to give you some challenges, but it's worth it in the long run. And that's parenting is you do the ugly stuff in the interim because, you know, in the long run, they're going to be like, oh, I'm so glad my my parents did that, you know, because now I'm an adult, I'm mature and I understand it. (laughs) Okay. So going back to dairy though, that's an area where you want to be observing if you have any of those reactions. So talking back about the dairy protein sensitivity, if you're having these more significant reactions, that's probably not lactose intolerance because lactose intolerance is more like immediately after consuming that food, like within the next hour or two, you get the abdominal cramping, gas, or diarrhea. When you get like the skin issues or long-term bloating and brain fog, bowel changes that are significant, and mood imbalances, joint pain, that stuff is going to give you a higher risk of chronic inflammation, which increases your risk for chronic disease. Because as we know, like a chronically inflamed body puts your body at risk for more proliferation of disease and even more so cancers. Because if your body is focusing on trying to manage the kind of shitstorm that's going on from so much inflammation, it leaves a lot of room for mistake of not doing its usual cellular autophagy, which is getting out all the bad DNA that can proliferate and become cancer. So you want to make sure that you take care of yourself in that way for that reason as well. If you're somebody who doesn't want disease or cancer and things like that. So Uh, But dairy proteins can also trigger an autoimmune reaction via what's called molecular mimicry. And this is a phenomenon where your immune system confuses two substances as like dairy proteins and thyroid tissue. So it can attack your own body by mistake, aka Hashimoto's thyroiditis. I talk about this in the gluten episode because gluten protein, gluten is the protein in wheat and other grains. So unfortunately, both dairy and gluten, which is why a lot of people recommend you just remove dairy and gluten or reduce it because it can have a tendency to cause a lot of these reactions. And a lot of people, like I think it's up to 75% of people, yeah, 75% of the world's population is genetically unable to properly digest milk and other dairy products. Um, That's based off of the consensus.nih.gov. So when you are... uh, somebody who might have or knows you have an autoimmune disease, 
it will be in your best favor to remove dairy and gluten also for that reason, because your immune system is going to mistake and confuse those proteins when they get into your bloodstream because an inflamed intestine puts you at risk for leaky gut, which means that the proteins will get into your bloodstream through the gap junctions in your intestinal wall and get into your bloodstream. And then your bloodstream fires up your immune system to attack these foreign bodies. And then that makes your body attack your thyroid tissue because it is very similar looking to the body as these um, different dairy and gluten proteins. So that's the science behind autoimmune reactions and why diets like autoimmune paleo, otherwise known as AIP, is a really great diet to change and adjust your um, eating habits to protect your thyroid because autoimmune Hashimoto's and different autoimmune diseases um, do take a huge toll on your tissues because your body is attacking itself now. And it's often triggered by different foods and an inflammatory state in your gut because of those foods. So I hope that was helpful and understandable because it's a lot. I totally get it. It is always a lot. And it's so hard for me every time to kind of keep this stuff short and concise because like it's just there's so many different ways to look at this. And so I hope that if you are somebody who is consistently listening to my podcast that you appreciate that, that you like the fact that I try to get all sides of this this topic for you. Because um, like I've said many times before, I have noticed a huge gap in um, how people approach nutrition nowadays, that they only just say their one topic and support it with their own cherry picked studies and just try to say like, this is why this is the right way to think. And it's like, well, there's also other sides to it. So it's important for me to give those to you so that you can make your, your own choice. Okay, so let's go back around to how dairy is produced makes a big difference because most of the milk, butter, cheese, whatever, lining the supermarket shelves comes from conventionally raised cows. So that means it contains elevated level levels of antibiotics and growth hormones. Um, you'll see a lot more marketing on labels where they're like, what is it? Uh, the human growth factor free cows or antibiotic, antibiotic free cows, you know, things like that. But Dairy cows are given a genetically engineered bovine growth hormone, which is the RBGH. So you'll see that's what I was talking about. That's what you'll see on labels. That helps them increase milk production. So they're basically genetically modifying these dairy cows so that they produce more milk than normal. So this hormone was unfortunately developed by Monsanto, if you understand that connection in a lot of big food corp and many other things, you know that that's a big, he's a big money man. And that's also the same company that makes Roundup. So when we talked about glyphosate in the gluten episode, are these connections starting to connect for you? Are you starting to see how a lot of things are not set up to take care of us, but to put more money into big pockets? Uh, but our BGH leads to a 25% increase in utter infections, which is why dairy cows are also given antibiotics. So, which if you've seen some things where they're like talking about how uh, factory farm cows are, your milk is like pus and uh, 
dairy it's or raw milk itself <laughs> that's kind of what can contribute to it which is nasty um that's why again i don't love like low quality milk and i think it's been a great thing for me that i discovered i was lactose intolerant from a young age <laughs> but it's never too late to change these hormones and antibiotics can make their way into your dairy products and then into your body which is how we have kind of determined in the nutrition world that it might be a good thing to reduce that because they have found that antibiotic residues were detected in about 60% of conventional milk samples and 0% of organic milk samples. So if you are able to consume and digest milk, you should do organic because that is a specific statistic that is very beneficial. Um, and that came from a 2019 study in the public health nutrition group. They published that study. And so that's something that I would recommend off the bat. And like I said, organic grass-fed is always your best dairy, is what we can basically control here in the U.S. And we don't want to consume that bovine growth hormone because the residue levels were found to be about 20 times higher in conventional milk than organic. So lots of things, the antibiotics, we don't want it, and the RBGH, we don't want it because those contribute to the negative effects of dairy on the human body. But also something that's interesting to know, um, coming back around to that, like gluten sensitivity and such, with the two different proteins from dairy, whey, and casein, the other thing is if you are somebody who does have a gluten sensitivity, you're more likely to have a dairy sensitivity as well, because casein makes up about 80% of dairy protein from cows, and it's structurally very similar to proteins in gluten. So again, this is actually pointing towards a great segue to my thoughts on intolerance testing. I would love to kind of go deeper into the different forms of testing. So if this is something that you want to know more about, please let me know. But intolerance testing, uh, let's take a hot take on that real quick. With this knowledge that these different proteins from like gluten products, aka grain products, like wheat products, as well as dairy products, um, because the dairy protein is similar to the same structure as gluten, with that knowledge, there are other food items that have very similar structures because this, a lot of natural foods aren't highly different from each other. Not something good to understand because a lot of the structures are something that you want your body to be able to recognize and break down so it can be absorbed and used by the body, right? So an issue that seems to happen is a lot of people will go get an intolerance test. You can either do like a saliva one, a blood one, or like hair. <laughs> um, more often than not, um, if you go to like a naturopath or something, if they start you on an intolerance test, that's old science, straight up. That is not any more the golden rule for gut health and testing in that zone. I'm going to tell you why. When you get intolerance tested, what it's doing is testing different substances against your blood sample. We're going to talk about the blood sample version and seeing if you get a reaction. This does not mean that you have an allergy or that you should just avoid it altogether. So if you've ever gotten a sensitivity test, it's literally just showing what your blood is reacting to or what your body is reacting to. And that might, you might be like, well, then doesn't that mean that like my body's not liking it? Yes and no. So when you, I got an intolerance test the first time with my naturopath and uh, my old naturopath up in Portland. And I didn't know because it was new to me, like intolerance testing and um, allergy testing, very different. 
Intolerances and allergies are very different. They're not the same. Intolerances just mean that your body doesn't react very well. Allergies mean you actually legitimately get a life-threatening histamine reaction to that substance. And so that is a situation where you should avoid stuff entirely. So allergy testing is not the same as intolerance testing. Intolerance testing is just going to show what your body's reacting to. So my test had all this stuff light up. It was like almonds, dairy, gluten, um, some seafoods and several other things where I was just like, holy crap, like that's so many foods, like, and foods that I consume consistently. Oh, eggs was on there. I was like, how the heck am I supposed to like remove all of these things? You know, like, and is that actually going to benefit me? So I started looking into it, looking and learning from other professionals in the industry. YouTube was such a great resource, um, especially when there's professionals sharing professional advice on it. And like, you can actually check their website and see their accreditation, uh, which I always recommend that too. Definitely make sure that when you're double checking who you're getting your advice from, especially when it's in regards to health. And they're like, look, the problem with the old fashioned side of intolerance testing is that things are going to light up that feed the pathogens in your gut that have proliferated. So when you are in an inflammatory state and you're consuming a lot of processed foods that feed the bad gut bacteria, bad gut bacteria is pathogens. So we refer to them as pathogens because they are pathogenic to creating more problems because they will reproduce and give you issues such as like H. pylori and different different bacteria that you just don't want in a higher ratio to the good gut bacteria. And so a lot of us, like especially Americans, have a ton of this issue in our gut because we've been consuming really low quality foods in bad macronutrient ratios for too long. And so it's fed these bad gut bacteria. So of course, when you get an intolerance test, all these food items, especially the items that have like perfect protein meals for these pathogens, because these pathogens eat them up, those are going to light up on your intolerance test because it's feeding those bad bacterias. So when you're getting an intolerance test, it's actually just showing you that like, yeah, you have too many pathogens and they're reacting to your easy food for them. Easy food for them is always going to be dairy, gluten, eggs, nuts, certain foods that actually contain protein sources of similar protein structures that can feed the bacteria. So that's something that is interesting because now we've shifted towards going for a fecal test first to kind of see those actual ratios of the bacteria, see if you have viruses in your gut, see if you have an H. pylori imbalance or infection and so many other things, yeast, candida, you know, all that kind of stuff. So if you're going to go get tested to try to see if you can help your gut or where your body's at, you should always be getting a fecal test first not an intolerance test. Intolerance test is a waste of your time and it's a waste of interpretation in general. Some people will argue with that, but from everything I've heard, especially from the leading scientists in gut health, they say that is a thing of the past and it's more so going to cause like too much fear in people and misunderstanding. I have so many clients that still avoid like eggs and stuff because their doctor told them that their intolerance test said they were super reactive to eggs. Eggs is a, a perfect protein. So of course the gut pathogens are going to consume that readily and make it light up on your test. So that's my hot take on intolerance tests. I don't trust them. I think they're kind of dumb and they are outdated. Um, And you can do them. You can get some insights, whatever. But the only thing that can be beneficial of them is if multiple things light up, especially in those categories, you probably have a pathogen imbalance. 
Um, like mine was because I was just juggling too much stress in college and starting my business while I was in college and all that stuff. So it was not surprising to me that that flared up for me. But learning it, I would have like not wasted the time and money anymore because I'm like, okay, <laughs> let's test my poop instead, you know. <laughs> so again, don't be weirded out by your fecal matter. It is a really good insight, a uh, way to get insight on your body and your gut health in general. Okay, so coming back into the dairy stuff, uh, let's kind of wrap this chat up a little bit. If you're going to, like, what would be my recommendations for dairy if you're going to consume it? Um, I'll circle back to some of the things I already said. If you're going to consume dairy in general, I would always choose grass-fed and organic if you can. Um, prioritize your monthly food budget towards protein first and higher quality proteins because those are what's going to give you the most nutrients and the most satiation out of all the food that you eat, whatever you cook at home. Um, that's not biased. That's just professional opinion because that's literally the way it goes. Maybe that's biased because of my professional opinion, but um, I'm only saying that because I have seen it to be the most important thing that you purchase at the grocery store. So I always recommend people prioritize their money towards that. And then next would be organic produce. <laughs> But then you can also try if you're somebody who doesn't do well with like full butter and such, you can try ghee and ghee is just clarified butter. What does that mean? It means that you remove the water and milk solids from the fat that is in butter. So you're going to basically melt butter, what floats to the top and what steams out. The water will steam out and what floats to the top is the milk solids and you skim it off with a spoon. And boom, you've got ghee. Indians have been using this a ton forever, forever, ever. Um, and it can be a great alternative to getting good quality fats, the, that good one-to-one -one ratio of omega-6s and omega-3s into your diet because your body needs fats. Do not avoid fats. Um, you need, for most females, I would say anyone should have 10 grams all the way up to 25 grams of fat per meal if you're having like three or four meals a day because ultimately landing anywhere between like 60 to 80 grams of fat daily for the average female is a really healthy natural amount of macros fat macros for your day daily needs because you need nourishment every day <laughs> shouldn't avoid things all the time just because that's what we've been programmed to think from marketing and dieting culture and all that stuff but ghee is a great option or you might realize you do fine with just grass-fed um, organic butter and you can utilize that i wouldn't go crazy with the butter of course because it still has like high ratios of saturated fats but your body needs saturated fats like the macronutrient fats episode talks a lot about so if you don't know much about fats that is the perfect place for you to go i believe that's episode 22. So go back to that. But another little kind of myth that is not true that has been debunked quite a bit, especially recently, is that raw milk is safe. Raw milk is safe. It is a very nutrient-packed form of dairy. And a lot of there's been a lot of unwarranted warnings from the FDA and the CDC. But recent research has shown that the risks are actually very low. Raw milk is a very safe and healthy food that's packed with enzymes, fatty acids, vitamins, and minerals because it's unprocessed and comes from grass-fed cows. So again, organic is going to be your best bet from farms that produce drinking raw milk. And it actually has a 
ability to reduce allergies and asthma in children, and it can improve your skin health and also fight H. pylori infections. So something that you may have heard, something that I like to say is that adults shouldn't be drinking like dairy milk consistently because dairy milk is for baby cows. It's for baby babies in general. It's for something that is trying to grow and gets to like a matured state. So that's what tends to cause issues for females because we are actually, when we become adults, we produce milk for our offspring. So consuming dairy for baby cows becomes kind of like diminishing returns for us because, um, and often causes more issues because cow's milk and sheep's milk and milk for babies has different, um, it can have hormones that are meant to help grow that baby animal to a full size. So when you consider whether or not you're just going to not have milk at all, shift to a non-dairy milk and consume good quality cheeses, yogurts, and butters, that would be my best advice because that's better for you as an adult female because you don't need to drink milk and you probably shouldn't drink milk because that's more directly for baby animals. But raw milk has the enzymes that help tolerate lactose better because it does consume, it does have lactase in it a lot of the times, especially for the higher quality organic grass-fed cow farms. So that's something very interesting to know that actually was like newer information to me the last couple of years. Cause yeah, I mean, I totally was uh, unfortunately swayed by like the CDC things where it's like, don't drink raw milk. You need ultra pasteurized stuff. And it's like, apparently you don't. Because go figure, the most natural way that a food item that's been consumed a certain way for many, many years is actually fine, you know. But also, too, do know they have not always drank cow's milk, especially in certain countries and certain ethnic backgrounds um, for many, many years for many reasons. So if you're that's why like 75 percent of the U.S. is lactose intolerant, probably, too, because we're a big melting pot for a lot of different ethnicities, (laughs) And unfortunately, the lack of lactase enzyme is apparently a dominant gene. It's just getting passed to everybody, even if you're mixed with the dairy digesting Caucasian bits like me. (laughs) Okay, so finally, let's get into how to decide if ditching dairy is right for you. So this is where the individuality of, of your own person and soul is going to come into play. So what's right for one person or even the majority of people is not always right for everyone. You need to know that for almost everything. That's why like personal care is or personalized care or thoughts or mindfulness around your nutrition makes a huge difference because you have to disassociate yourself from needing to belong to everyone and eating what everybody else eats. The, the faster you reduce or separate yourself from that desire, the faster you will feel happier about taking charge of your own health for your own optimal reactions long-term or optimal situations long-term. Because I have seen so many people live as like a bunch of sad sacks because they have to avoid gluten or have to avoid dairy or whatever their entire life. And like everybody else gets to eat dairy and this or that, or everybody else gets to eat gluten. And it's like, get over it. Like this is your own body. Take care of your body and be proud of it. Like in my opinion, like I'm not trying to be mean about it. It's just that like, you have to understand that you're making this change because your body is telling you it needs it. And so honor your body, take care of it. Be proud that you know 
how to take care of your body and what your body needs instead of being like, everybody else gets to do this. You know, it's kind of like that thing where I remember my parents always being like, well, so-and-so's parents, like, just let them do whatever they want. So we don't do that. And it's for your better uh, long-term health or long-term situation or whatever. And now looking at it as an adult, I'm like, okay, they were right. You know, (laughs) so uh, same thing goes for food. Like, it's better for you to just take care of yourself. Okay. So what I would suggest, and again, this is not medical advice, but this is just a food item. So it's actually not a big deal if we talk about it here and follow this like kind of generic protocol thought process. Um, So, but I do want to make sure that you understand that it is beneficial for you if you are having significant reactions to dairy or you realize anything from following this um, elimination protocol that you... um, dive into it further with ideally a functional medicine practitioner, but you can go through it and do allergy testing with um, your regular doctor, but your regular doctor, AKA like your general practitioner or your PCP is just going to tell you to stop eating it. Like basically anything that you're like, this is bothering me. They say, stop doing it. Like raise your hand. If you've been somebody who's been told that, you know, I've had so many people be like, my doctor just said to avoid this, or my doctor said to just stop working out, you know? And I'm just like banging my head against the wall. Cause I'm like, that is not, that is not, productive of anything. Uh, But okay, so here's the steps. Write them down. If you want to get a notebook, put it in your notes on your phone. Okay, so step one is just eliminate all dairy products for 30 days. 30 days is really short in the long scheme of life. So I know it might sound like a long time. And while you're going through it, especially if you eat dairy often, you might feel like this is freaking forever. But 30 days is going to be short in the grand scheme. And it's beneficial for you to understand. So you're going to cut out all dairy products. That, so that includes cow, sheep, goat, A2, milk, organic, etc. for a full 30 days. So this allows enough time for those problematic proteins to exit your system so that you can start reintroduction with a clean slate so that things aren't kind of muddying the water. So step two is reintroduce specific types of dairy one at a time. So reintroducing the various forms of dairy one at a time is going to allow you to see how you respond to them. So this is the order that I would recommend you introduce them in. So start with grass-fed ghee. So again, that's the clarified butter. You can find it at the store. You can make it yourself. Then try organic goat or sheep dairy. So this could be like goat cheeses, sheep cheeses, things like that. Goat, goats, yogurt. I don't know. I don't know a lot of people like that. Then A2 milk, which is a type of milk that is dominantly whey. It has a lot less casein involved, I believe. And then lactose-free cheese, homemade kefir, yogurt, or fermented creams. Then you go for raw milk. Then you're going to go for grass-fed butter. Then you're going to go for grass-fed milks. Then just organic cheeses and then organic creams and dairy. If you get reactions to especially those last three, you totally can keep consuming the other seven or eight that were before it. You know, Um, This is a great way for you to see um, if you get full reactions to dairy. If you finish this whole reintroduction protocol and don't have reactions, you are in the clear for dairy. So that's great. If you do realize through this whole process, symptoms on the outside, such as less stuffy nose, less snoring, clearer skin, less acne, more energy, less brain fog, less bloat, you probably should keep dairy out of your diet. If you don't get any of those symptoms as you reintroduce, like at least that first half of the list, you probably are actually totally okay to keep consuming some dairy products, but the ones that tend to remove a lot of those irritating proteins such as casein or whey or lactose. 
So I hope that's really helpful for you. And do know that this is a really great way to test and change a lot of the symptoms you might be dealing with day to day. And that can also include mood things like anxiety and depression. I have to remind a lot of people that there's a lot of people I've met in the past that deal with a lot of depression and they're constantly consuming like cheesy things from like low fast food places like pizzas and um, Taco Bell, you know, a lot of those super cheesy things. And I know I get it as palatable. You get kind of addicted to the like mouthfeel, but it could be the whole reason you're dealing with depression and anxiety and um, stubborn weight and inflammation, you know, all these different things because they're all reacted or all connected. And that's really, really, really important because you have the power to change that through your nutritional habits. Okay, so if you are having any chronic health challenges and are struggling to pinpoint which foods are contributing to the problem, again, I can't recommend enough. Work with a functional medicine practitioner that is well-rated in your area and look at your diet in the bigger picture to get the appropriate testing um, And also you can work with somebody who can give you a better personalized dietary plan if you feel completely confused with what to do now that you know that you have a dairy intolerance. Um, And if you have any questions, like I am a certified nutritionist, you can always reach out to me either on at Coach by Kales on Instagram or at the Rebel Wellness Podcast Instagram as well. I would love to help you out. So feel free to reach out and chat with me. I am always, always a big... uh, big supporter of helping people figure out their issues with their guts and their health because it just makes such a big difference. So, all right, Rebel, that is it for today's episode. So share this with anyone you think is uh, possibly a candidate for some dairy challenges or, or, or needs a more actionable plan to approach removing dairy from their life. And if somebody, maybe somebody wants to do it with you, maybe you should do it with a buddy. Um, That's one of the best ways to stay accountable when you're making such a drastic change and also exploring alternatives as you shift your mindset in the dairy world so that you can be more successful long-term. Celebrate your strength and nourishment, walk with confidence, and I will catch you next week on another episode of Rebel Wellness. Thanks for tuning in to our latest episode of Rebel Wellness. If you've been enjoying our conversations around health, fitness, and wellness, we have some exciting news for you. We've recently launched an Instagram page for the Rebel Wellness podcast, where we'll be sharing inspiring quotes from every episode, behind the scenes moments, and updates about upcoming episodes. So be sure to follow us at Rebel Wellness Podcast on Instagram to stay connected with our community. And it's growing, so I'm really excited about it. That's not all, though. I also want to introduce you to at Coach by Kales, which is my flagship fitness and wellness coaching business, as I am so passionate about empowering individuals like you to live their healthiest and most enjoyable lives. So if you would love to join me there as well, follow my page for daily inspiration, fitness tips, nutrition tips, sometimes even healthy recipes as well as debunking more myths around the health and fitness industry in general. By following both pages, you'll be joining a community of like-minded individuals who are all committed to living their best lives as well. So don't hesitate, hit that follow button and join us on this journey to wellness. Again, thank you for listening and I hope to catch you on the gram.